Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Good morning. It's Friday the 27th of October in London. This is the Bloomberg Daybreak Europe podcast. I'm Stephen Carroll. Coming up today, American forces strike Iran-linked targets in Syria as Tehran warns the US won't be spared if the Israel-Hamas war spreads. The ECB's decision to hold rates steady delivers relief to a highly indebted Italy, but for how long? And a 40k cut at one of the big four. EY slashes UK partner payouts as economic uncertainty grows. Let's start with a roundup of our top stories. The United States says it hit two facilities in eastern Syria it believes were used by Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard following repeated attacks on US forces in the region. The strikes come as Iran's foreign minister warned the US won't be spared if the war between Israel and Hamas spreads. Meanwhile, the United Nations Security Council failed to reach an agreement on calling for a humanitarian ceasefire in Gaza. France's UN ambassador Nicolas de Rivière is dismayed. The Security Council is stuck. It's very disappointing. We should get back to negotiation, do a compromise, prioritise humanitarian access, this humanitarian pause, while recognising the right of Israel to defend itself. Nicolas de Rivière spoke as the Israeli army reportedly made further overnight ground raids into northern Gaza following Wednesday night's limited incursion with infantry and tanks. Reports from Gaza's health ministry, uh, Gaza's Hamas-run health ministry, says 7,000 people have now been killed in airstrikes on the territory. Qatar's senior hostage negotiator has warned that an escalation in the conflict will hamper efforts to secure the safe release of captives. The country's Minister of State, Mohammed Al-Khulafi, says all civilian hostages in Gaza can be released in the coming days, but a pause in the fighting is needed. If there's a continuing bombing, our task is getting more difficult. The mediators need a period of calm, a situation where we can speak easily to both parts and try to be more creative in in bringing more initiatives that can get those civilians out. Those comments from Qatar's senior hostage negotiator come as Israel's military said it had killed Hamas's deputy head of intelligence in an airstrike on Gaza. In a statement, the Israel Defence Forces said that Shadi Baroud was one of the key figures behind the October 7th attacks that killed 1,400 people. To other news now, and the European Central Bank has left interest rates unchanged for the first time in more than a year. Following last month's knife-edge decision to lift the rate to a record 4%, policymakers kept it there on Thursday. And ECB President Christine Lagarde says markets shouldn't expect them to come down from there anytime soon. We are determined to ensure that inflation returns to our 2% medium-term target in a timely manner. 
Based on our current assessment, we consider that the key ECB interest rates are at levels that maintained for a sufficiently long duration will make a substantial contribution to this goal. Christine Lagarde also insisted the central bank didn't even discuss a faster wind-down of its pandemic bond-buying programme. The comments offer a welcome relief to Italy at a time when investors are wondering if the country could soon be cut to junk as borrowing costs on its massive national debt soar. Janet Yellen says the surge in Treasury yields is tied to the strength of the economy rather than the widening fiscal deficit. The US Treasury Secretary told Bloomberg bond prices touching levels not seen since the financial crisis is a reflection of consumer resilience. We're seeing yields go up um, in most advanced countries. Part of the increase in yields, uh, I think, is simply a reflection of the strength of the economy the notion that interest rates will be higher for longer. Yellen's view clashes with some bond market participants who point to the sharp increase in the American government's deficit as a cause of the jump in yields. The after third quarter US US growth came in at 4.9%, the top US financial official said she wouldn't be surprised if the US posts a growth rate of 2.5% for 2023. Amazon.com reported quarterly revenue that topped analyst estimates. The story now from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. Amazon got a lift from rising sales in its retail and cloud computing units. Revenue gained 13% to $143.1 billion during the three months ending September 30th. Analysts on average estimated $141.6 billion, according to data compiled by Bloomberg. Amazon shares have increased more than 40% this year thanks to fading recession fears and CEO Andy Jassy's determination to rein in pandemic-era spending and boost profits. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Radio. Shares in Intel have jumped after the chipmaker predicted a return to sales growth this quarter. Intel's forecasting sales for the period will be ahead of analyst estimates between $14.6 and $15.6 billion. The company says the PC market is through the worst of a historic slump. The firm also reported that it's now winning new customers for its outsourced manufacturing division. And Ernst & Young Partners in the UK saw their share of profits drop for the first time in three years. The £40,000 cut is the latest in a wave of economic uncertainty hitting the big four audit firms. Ewan Potts has more. With fewer deals to advise on and clients cutting costs, accountants are feeling the pinch. EY's UK division recently cut 5% of jobs in financial services and now they're shrinking their £220 million bonus pool by 30%. The big four accounting firms are also facing increased scrutiny over the quality of their audits after a series of high-profile collapses including Carillion and Patisserie Valerie. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Radio. Those are your top stories. The On the markets, the MSCI Asia-Pacific Index is 1.1%, excuse me, it's 1% higher now. Eurostox 50 futures are up by three-tenths of 1%. And the 10-year Treasury yield is a basis point higher this morning at 486 
Let's get more detail on the rising regional tensions in the Middle East over the Israel-Hamas war. Iran's foreign minister warning the US won't escape unaffected if the conflict spreads. This after the White House said they sent a direct message to Tehran warning against targeting US, US military personnel in the region. And we've been learning about more strikes on Syria uh, targets in Syria linked to Iran this morning to our EMEN News Director and Rosalind Matheson is with us in the studio for more. Good morning to you, um, Roz. Let's start with this apparent ratcheting up of tensions between the US and Iran and learning of more uh, uh, more strikes on Syria targets too. What, what can you tell us? Well, that's right. What we know is that the US says that it struck several sites inside Syria that it said were being used by Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard. That says we've seen an escalation in attacks on US troops in the region. I mean, it's not unusual for there to be things like drone strikes and so on on US bases in the area. Um, but there has been a pickup in that in recent weeks, obviously, since the Hamas attack on Israel. You do have a lot of US military assets in the region, and that's only increasing and we know of course that US warships shot down several missiles fired a week or so ago by Houthi rebels out of Yemen seemingly aimed somewhere north Uh, and we know there's been an escalation as I said in those drone and other rocket attacks on uh, US troops based in places like Iraq Uh, and so we're seeing the little by little the sense the US is being drawn into this somehow Um, obviously there's no uh, sense that US wants to get militarily involved in what's happening exactly inside Israel and Gaza, but there's lots of outfits operating in this region, lots of proxy groups operating in this region on behalf of Iran and other nations. And they're obviously using this moment to test the boundaries here. And so the risk is that you just get a a further pickup in these attacks uh, on US soldiers. And at some point you get a more significant one than we've seen so far. And the, the rhetoric that we're hearing then from political leaders on this as well has also been stepped up. This warning from Iran's foreign minister, the US won't escape unaffected. How significant is that? Well, it's interesting, of course, that they're saying this and, and the US warning Iran quite publicly. Uh, but the interesting also is it's just very clear that Iran and the US are kind of talking um, in, in back-channel ways, but also publicly to each other. And that's a bit unusual. The US normally keeps these communications very much to, to themselves and don't advertise them. And what they're saying is, yeah, we're in touch as much as we can with Iran and through other channels potentially into Iran. And the messaging is the same. Don't pull us into this thing and don't get involved yourselves. Because, of course, Iran, again, has its fingers in many, many proxies in the region. Uh, and they could come uh, at the US in, in multiple ways, not just Hamas, but, of course, Hezbollah, of course, uh, the Houthis in Yemen and more. Uh, and so very much a level of concern about the risk of a broadening conflict. And so while you're getting those public statements of rhetoric and obviously sort of fairly fiery rhetoric in return from Iran, what's interesting to me is it's quite clear that they're talking to each other about this at least. Yes, um, and we will monitor that for further developments as well. Meanwhile, um, Bloomberg has learned that Israel is looking for the help of spyware companies when it comes to tracking the hostages that are still in Gaza. Well, that's right. It's quite interesting to learn that some of these spyware companies, including NSO, which makes Pegasus spyware, which I'm sure many of us have heard of, uh, they're enlisting these companies and their services to try and track the hostages that are in Gaza. Um, And many of these companies are saying, yes, we'll give you our services 
services for free um, and and maybe they can be involved in other uh, aspects of this conflict between Israel and Hamas. Of course, that's not necessarily without controversy, though, because, as I said, uh, the Pegasus software, uh, that company is blacklisted by the US and other countries, as are other operators in that field. We knew a few years ago there were revelations that this software had been sold to some fairly authoritarian regimes around the world, multiple countries that were using it potentially to spy on dissidents, on journalists and so on. And so this company is not exactly without controversy, as I said, but right now it's spyware is proving quite useful, shall we say, um, in mm. efforts to try and locate these hostages. At the same time, just back to the dipl- diplomacy for a moment, um, no agreement to the UN Security Council on a humanitarian ceasefire. EU leaders agreeing to call for humanitarian corridors and pauses, and that was a very hard-won compromise as well. Well, that's right. It's interesting seeing this sort of word salad, in essence, that's going on. Is anyone willing to call it a ceasefire? It doesn't seem so because that might have bigger connotations. But essentially what they're doing is sort of trying to get a ceasefire, um, a pause in fighting, That, if you want to call it that, including the aerial bombardment that's been going on by both sides, um, Israel into Gaza and Hamas is still sort of firing rockets um, at Israel. And the idea, as you say, is to get enough of a break to allow more of the humanity humanitarian aid to go in. So there's no suggestion that any kind of pause slash ceasefire um, would be a long one um, or how, how long it might go for or that it would stop a potential ground invasion mm. of Israel. It's certainly n- none of that. It's just simply to allow some of that aid potentially to get through. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa device. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.